want to thank all of you for being here, whether you're in the room, outside, or on the Zoom, we are together. Um, that's important, and uh, it's a tremendous blessing, and I hope uh, you feel that as well. The conversation and debate and social and political commentary around our now third year of the pandemic is going to, I think, continue. Perhaps it will abate at some particular point. In the meantime, we will find every single moment that we have to be together, to sing together, to laugh together, to fellowship together, to dance together. Every single moment is a joy. Um, so we recognize, I was actually thinking about writing something for myself in my journal, like the, the gifts that the pandemic has brought. Um, not to say that the pandemic is a gift, but to put your mind and your energy and your attention towards things that you can celebrate and honor during this time, which is a little bit of what um, a prelude, I suppose, to where I'd like to take us and to share some thoughts and reflections on the uh, psalms of praise or the praise psalms that we find in our passage. We're in a series entitled Wisdom, which is a wonderfully specific and equally ambiguous word as to what that means in particular circles. And so as we go through the Psalms, last week when Danielle introduced the Psalms of Ascent, the going up to where help comes from, we're going to kind of take a radical shift uh, into a different area of the Psalms, which are the Psalms of Praise. And I think that's appropriate because of the 150 Psalms that we do have in our Bible, we have a wide, diverse set of songs that express a wide, diverse set of emotions and life experiences. Um, one of the things about these passages that I think sometimes gets overlooked or sometimes gets um, bifurcated, I don't want to use a big word there, but gets segmented out into particular emphases is that throughout, and you guys have heard me talk about this, probably, you're probably sick of hearing me talk about the Platonic ideal and the Cartesian dualism. I've, I've, I don't know if I've said those words exactly, but it's the general idea that our culture, specifically our Western culture, has a tendency to split things apart. So things that are spiritual are up there. Things that are um, not spiritual are down here. There's a mind, and then there's a body. Uh, there's humans, and then there's nature. And so we've inherited a separation of worldviews, a worldview that kind of takes those things apart and puts them into categories. And science is a beautiful tool that has actually catalyzed some of those separations. Um, the problem with those separations is that life doesn't work that simply. To simply say that humans are completely separate from nature, to say that the mind is a completely different thing from the body, to say that the spiritual is completely different from the material. These kind of categories that we've inherited and actually are infused in a lot of Christian teachings don't actually work, nor are they really fundamentally taught in our passages. We've imposed those kind of views upon our text. And so, Today, as we talk about a little bit of the Psalms of Praise, what I'd like to do is also introduce us to the idea that the varieties of ways in which the Psalms are going to express human experience is not simply in these separated categories. For example, you might think of praise, something that we just did. So praise slash worship is something that we do here. It's something that we do you know, 25, 30, 35 minutes before the sermon time. So that's a separate deal. 
Um, and what I'd like to propose to you, uh, just to kind of get our brains wrapped around this, is that the separation that we automatically do with these categories and these terms is really not what the Psalms, nor much of our scriptures, have actually intended. That which is mind actually is body. That which is spirit is actually material. That which is material is actually spiritual. Um, that which is natural is also human. We're all integrated into this one. I mean, that's, if you read our text and our story through those lenses, you start to get your brain to think a little bit in different categories. Like, yeah, you and I are made from the dust of the earth, the, the dust that sits upon the earth. The, we come from that natural resource, so our Genesis story says. We tend to focus on the fact that we are breathed in by the breath of God, therefore we're separate, but the reality is we're still, we're still dirt clods. You're a clod. Did you know that? You're all a clod. You're just a clod. And so as you fuse all of this together and start to recognize that specifically in the Psalms, it is easy to talk about categories in those ways, and we do this through all the old scriptures. What I'd like to propose to you is that as we get to psalms of praise and exaltation and celebration and woohoo and great things and praise the Lord, um, there is a recognition that the entire thing actually is a praise from Psalm 1 all the way to Psalm 150. That the entirety of the scope of human emotion is found in these things called praises in these things called psalms. So last week when Daniel talked about psalms of ascent, where does my help come from? That is all within the same category, actually, of praise. Next week, Daniel is going to talk about psalms of lament, psalms that we have reached to over and over when we have watched societies and politics and religious institutions falter and where corrupt and evil people prosper and good and solid and decent people suffer, you reach to those psalms of lament and you cry out with like this anger of injustice. Guess what? Those are also psalms, songs, praises. So what we're going to do, even though we're talking about psalms of praise, is that we're going to say yes praises and jubilation and celebration. And man, I get so much joy when I watch the kids engage and dance and find joy. I mean, what a gift to have a community where the littlest ones, the most vulnerable amongst us find a home and find celebration and find welcome. This is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But we are also going to recognize that even in those dark moments, that also, yes, is part of the praise. Psalms in total is actually an affirmation of the value, the worth, and the necessity of the full scope of human emotion. So it's not just intellect, it's also emotion. It's not just jubilation, it's also lament and the full scope. And this is part of the reason why these wisdom texts for me are just so brilliant and powerful. Because I don't know about you, but I would love to be a part of a community and an ideology of faith, a set of worldviews, a set of beliefs that I can bring the, my full self to. Those moments when I feel absolute despair, when those moments when I feel loneliness, and those moments when I feel joy and love. The, the full gamut of it can be brought, and the full gamut of it is represented in our psalms. Now, 
I want to recognize and acknowledge that in our Christian tradition, praise is absolutely a celebration. In fact, there's a, I don't know if you know this, there's an entire genre of music called praise music. It was very much uh, hip during the 80s. Some of you weren't even born. Oh, dear Lord, I, I better stop that. Um, there, there are, there's these moments when we are escaping from the tragedies and the turmoil of life, and we just need to, we need to get our praise on it. I need to go to those places. So that has been encapsulated, again, as a genre, as a portion of our Christian expression, and I want to acknowledge that. That's in the text. I mean, those passages are there. What I'd like to do, though, is, as I mentioned before, not separate out that from the rest of the psalmist's inquiry, the rest of the psalmist's recognition of what praise actually is. Because if praise is simply and only the emotional, um, expressive part of our faith, then we might be missing a huge piece of what praise actually is in the psalms, and therefore missing actually a huge value of how praise can be leveraged in every single aspect of our life. Not just those moments where we're escaping darkness and we're celebrating big things or entering into some sort of altered state of consciousness when we're praising or whatever, but to also recognize that there are other moments in praise. Now, okay, so that's where we're headed. The word that is uh, frequently translated psalms is this word mizmor, and the word means more actually comes from the sound of a plucking of the strings of the harp. It can mean plucking, and it can actually mean singing or psalms of praise, that kind of thing. And that's one avenue of translation that scholars have suggested. Here's a beautiful image of what the ancient um, harp might have looked like. You can see that on some ancient coins. It's actually pretty incredible to see ancient instruments. You know, like we play beautiful, wonderful instruments today, but to see what they would have played back then is really super cool. Here's a modern, obviously a modern uh, re, uh, refabrication of that. Now, complete side note and footnote, just because I got geeked out and I thought you would be curious to know. The word for harp is kinur or kinneret in Hebrew, which is where you will see that in your text, both in the Old and the New Testaments, for the lake of Galilee or the Sea of Galilee. It's also called the Lake of Gennesaret, and you can see why. It's shaped somewhat like a harp. So when you see that both in your Old and your New Testaments, what is the Lake of Gennesaret? I thought it was the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Kinneret or the Sea of Tiberias. It comes by all those names and part of the reason it comes from various traditions and different languages, etc. So another footnote is Means more uh, for some. There's an organization, there's a company actually in the Bay Area called Zamar Media Solutions. And I love them. They've done a lot of work for a lot of churches throughout the entire Bay Area. But their name, Zamar, comes from this exact word, means more. You can hear it in the name. Uh, so they have taken their name from the Psalms, the celebration. That's not the only word that translates the Psalms. Um, mizmor can mean a plucking of an instrument or to sing songs, but the word that is actually used to entitle this section of our scriptures is the word tehillah, which means prayers or praise. And this is what I was alluding to earlier. We are going to talk about psalms of praise as if a portion of the text is praise. But the entire section of Psalm 1 through 150 is actually entitled Praises that gets translated into Psalms, which can seem a little bit 
perplexing and confusing for a second because like there are some pretty dark psalms. Where have you been when my enemies have overtaken me? Pull me up out of the depths of the pit, right? Praise God, pull me up, right? I mean, it, there's, a, there's kind of like a disconnect. It doesn't quite work. So this is actually the title for the entire thing. And if we understand that that's the title, praises is what we read when we read every single one of those psalms. If we understand praise to be a the word that is used, but it's a different category than we're normally thinking of, like when it comes to Christian praise and celebration, then we're going to kind of shift our mentality. And this is what I hope to do. In the 1950s, some archaeologists were digging uh, in this location here, in Ugarit. It's the ancient portion. It's now in Lebanon. You can see where it is. And they were digging right in this location. And they found a piece of writing uh, that is... Well, there, you can see the temple complex there. You can see the city complex. It's one of the, anci- one of the most ancient civilizations in the world. There's references actually to this in our text. And they found this tablet. You can see that there's some reconstruction uh, as well as what it would have looked like in the ancient times. And they believe this to be the oldest tabulated or notated music in the world that we know of. There's a whole set of songs that they found on these tablets. This is Peter Pringle. He's an amazing musician. You can YouTube him, check him out. Here he is playing the actual notations from that 13th century BC cuneiform tablet. And this is a little bit of what it sounds like. It's, it's incredible to think that archaeologists have taken ancient cuneiform, which is that writing on that tablet, and, d- and deduced a little bit. And, you can, and I'm a musician, too, so I can hear it. It's like, oh, it's, it's in D minor. Like the, the, the very first song that we actually have written down is in D minor. It's super cool to see. This is what the palace uh, would have looked like. And, of course, that is his interpretation. I thought I'd play you just because I think it's fun and you get geeked out a little bit. Some other interpretations of what it may sound like even to this day. So here's another interpretation. Or two other, two, three other interpretations. Hear the melody here. It's super, super cool.
And then, of course, because we like to geek out, here's a digital version. <laughs> in case you're interested in the digital version of that. Yeah. Somebody just threw that into a computer and, and decided to, to check that out. Okay, so this is the hymn to Nikal. Uh, oh, there's another version. I forgot I had that one in there, a vocal version. Now, the hymn to Nikal comes from about the 13th century BCE. What is this hymn? The oldest known piece of musical writing that we have. What is it? Well, it's within the genre of writing that is actually woven all throughout the ancient world. In other words, people have been writing songs like this for a long time. This is tablet six, I believe it was. There were five other tablets. There seems to be an entire library. And in other words, these, <laughs> these ancient pieces of stone are like one big music book, some sort of psalm book that they found in this ancient civilization. And this is the rough translation of what it actually says, like the lyrics that go along with that particular tune, stating, Once I have endeared the deity, she will love me in her heart. The offer I bring may wholly cover my sin. Bringing sesame oil may work on my behalf in awe. May I, and then every time you see a dot, 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 it's like illegible in the original writing. The sterile, may they make fertile. Grain, may they bring forth. She, the wife, will bear children to the father. May she, who has not yet born children, bear them. Now, if you read ancient songs like this, songs, these are actually songs of praise from this particular civilization, you will start to see some patterns and this is my interpretation. I think if you actually really dug into this, you would get slightly different interpretations of what these different texts and how you would categorize. So I just want to make that disclaimer there. But as you read through some of this stuff, you start to see there's some common themes that show up in these psalms, in these songs from the ancient civilizations. Number one, and they're very easy, A, B, C. I put it in A, B, C for you so you can help remember this like a good pastor is supposed to do, like A, B, C. So the very first thing is the affections. The affections both that you have of the deity and then the deity has of you. There's this kind of like dualistic relational affections that you share. Number two, a big portion of what the Psalms are, are the benefits. In this particular Psalm to Nicole, who's the, Nicole is the goddess of the orchard. And again, this is ancient civilization, so sorry for any children that are in the room. It's all usually about fertility and about productivity and that kind of stuff. And then if you noticed in that psalm, there was forgiveness as well. Thank you for your forgiveness. So there's affections, there's benefits, and then another big theme that comes out as a result are the characteristics and qualities of the deity. Now, these three things, affections, benefits, and characteristics, are most are the categories that you will find in virtually every piece of writing in the ancient world, and including in our psalms. Does this sound familiar? I mean, the psalms that we read, the psalms of praise, fall into the very same kind of genres, very same kind of literature, and they're doing something very similar. If you really, really want a deep dive, pick up a couple books on the psalms, and you'll find that actually some of the psalms that we have in our text are actually these ancient songs that they have reinterpreted for Israel. It's really incredible to see the overlay of all of that. Affections, benefits, characteristics, and qualities. Now, what I find fascinating about this 
is this is not just, again, separated out a religious category that are woven into the Psalms and the cultic practices of ancient peoples when they're at the temple. This is not something that people just do when they are acting or behaving religiously. This is something we all do all the time, everywhere, in virtually every practice that we do. Has anybody written a Yelp review? Has anybody read a Yelp review or an Amazon review? These kinds of behaviors, affections, benefits, characteristics of which we would call praises, that's kind of the category that we're working with here, is actually something that comes from the very depths of who we are. There's some sort of recognition and relationship that happens as a result of calling out, naming, and articulating how much I love or care about you, how much you look down upon me with favor, how you have bestowed upon me forgiveness or goodness or kindness or fertility. And that makes you good, wonderful, lovely, praiseworthy. These are things that we do all the time. And one of the examples of that came, became crystal clear when I was watching a game with my nephew of his favorite team just this week. Some of you will remember this. You need it now. Order Junior the trigger man. Like one of the greatest buzzer beaters I have ever seen. Oh man, I can, I, I'm feeling it even right now. I can feel the energy. Now, if you look, if you just take snapshots of this, and I, know, I, I hope I'm not overstating the case, but I, I can't help but see this is a common theme within all of us. Look at these people. What are they doing? I mean, they, they are putting their physical posture in the exact same posture that I've seen many people put themselves in when they're at worship concerts. It's the exact same idea. It's the exact same feeling. It's the exact same emotion. This guy, I don't know if you can see it, with the, has his fist in the air, like celebration and victory, right? So this is something that you're familiar with. The other thing about the lamentations and sometimes about the uh, condemnations that come through these psalms of praise are also there. I mean, look at the other team, right? Like, look at them. Yeah. What happens to, like, look at their faces. Their hands are not raised. They are not celebrating. So, Praise and celebration and, and adoration and worship has this dualistic kind of characteristic. And then this was like my favorite clip. Like after all the jumping around, like what is this guy doing? He's just like, I'm just standing. I stand in awe of you. I'm just standing in awe, right? Like there's this, there's this element that the way in which we recognize just the characteristics and the benefits of the people that are around us deserve that level of attention, deserve that level of celebration, deserve that level of praise. This is what worship is. This is what praise is. And it exudes out of a full and complete recognition of who that person is, what that person did, and the benefits that were bestowed upon us as a result. The other example that came to mind was this clip from Taylor Swift. In reality, I'm just going to pop out She's gotten me through a lot. She's just taught me how to get back up and to um, love every little thing about me. So thank you. 
Now, I, lo- I love that clip. I mean, you are slaying it. I, I don't even know what that means. I, it sounds good to me. Um, you are a queen, and you have an army behind you. Now, listen to that language. Now, I don't want to hi- hyperanalyze any of this. All I'm simply saying is that the idea of recognizing the affections that one has for another tied in with the benefits. I mean, to hear these people talk about how their lives have been changed as a result of Taylor Swift's music. To hear them talk about just what an inspiration and what that does to you. This is what the psalmists are talking about when they talk about praise. The affections, the benefits, and the qualities and the characteristics. So, what I thought we would do is with that in mind, to think about that. Put yourself in that situation now and consider... Is that fullness of recognition, of Curry making the buzzer beater, of Taylor Swift inspiring, of recognizing that Nikol, the ancient Ugaritic goddess, has now provided for us, to think about the emotion and the passion and the engagement that the psalmist actually has when they are also writing this phrase, their phrase, hallelujah, which means praise Yahweh. Praise to be to the Lord. And we'll do it with a little help from Peter Pringle, of course, to keep this in mind, to say, I am now celebrating out of the depths of my being the affections that are shared, the benefits that come, and the qualities and the characteristics of who this God is. We'll just read a couple portions. Psalm 145, let me exalt you, my God, the King, and let me bless your name forevermore. Every day, let me bless you, and let me praise your name forevermore. Great is the Lord, and highly praised, and his greatness cannot be fathomed. Let one generation to the next extol your deeds and tell of your mighty acts of the grandeur of your glorious majesty and your wondrous acts, let me treat. And the power of your fearsome deeds, let them say, and your greatness, let me recount. The fame of your great goodness, they utter, and of your bounty, they joyously sing. Gracious and merciful is the Lord, slow to anger, great in kindness, good Good is the Lord to all, and his mercy is over all his creatures. All your creatures, Lord, acclaim you, and your faithful ones bless you. The glory of your kingship, they say, and of your might they speak, to make known to humankind his mighty acts and the grandeur of his kingship's glory. Psalm 146. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, O my being. Let me praise the Lord while I live. Let me hymn to my God while I breathe. 
Do not trust in princes, in a human who offers no rescue. His breath departs, and he returns to the dust. On that day, his plans are not happy, whose help is Jacob's God, his hope for the Lord his God, maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and of all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, does justice for the oppressed, gives bread to the hungry. The Lord looses those in fetters. Bread, freedom, liberation. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord makes the bent stand erect. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord guards sojourners, orphans, and widow. He sustains, but the way of the wicked he contorts. The Lord shall reign forever, your God. O Zion for all generations. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him on the heights. Praise all his messengers. Praise him all his armies. Praise him sun and moon. Praise him all you stars of light. Praise him utmost heavens and the waters above the heavens. Let them praise the Lord's name for he commanded and they were created. And he made them stand forever for all time. He set them a border that could not be crossed. Praise the Lord from the earth. Sea monsters in all you deeps. Fire and hail, snow and smoke. Storm wind that performs his command. Psalm 150, the culmination, the very end of this body of literature, declares with the crowd (laughs) celebrating, Hallelujah! Praise God in his holy place. Praise him in the vault of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him as befits his abounding greatness. Praise him with the lute and the lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dance. Praise him with strings and flute. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with crashing cymbals. Let all that has breath praise Yah. Hallelujah. Now, at the very end of this text, we find once again, and it's to read those passages is incredible. The affections that God has for us that we have for God, the benefits and the characteristics. In other words, we could possibly even say that these encapsulate essentially the values and the vision that this God has. Nicol has a value and a vision for fertility. This God... (laughs) has a very distinct vision and value for humanity. So praise, this category, is an acknowledgement of the beneficent qualities and elevation of our spiritual consciousness to the affections, benefits, qualities, and characteristics of this God. And when you think about other gods and things that we celebrate, there's wonderful things to celebrate. The music of Taylor Swift, the brilliant talent of Steph Curry, Uh, The amazing uh, movements that, uh, the technological advancements that get lauded. The Niners, Niners, apparently. (laughs) Man, you you got your brain somewhere else here, Junior. (laughs) And all of those things, I suppose, are worthy or deserving of a particular praise. But here's here's what's so brilliant about this praise. You sing these songs to Nicol because you believe in those things. You sing those things because you believe by singing them, by praising Nicol, the very benefits, the very characteristics are going to be woven into the fabric of this world. Very much so like the same thing. 
You sing these songs, our psalms, because you believe that the freedom for the oppressed and justice for the orphan and making the world right, you sing those psalms of praise because you believe this God brings that world forth. So praise is not just simply a moment of ecstatic celebration and jubilation in a moment in time when the music is loud and the subwoofers are turned up to 11. Praise is also an acknowledgement and a declaration of the very benefits, the values, and vision of the God that you are praising. Are you with me? So when you celebrate this God, you are calling into being the characteristics of this God, the benefits of this God, and the affections of this God. And so you pray, if you feel alone, beat down, the world is against you, there is no justice in the world, that's exactly when you sing, when you sing these psalms of praise. Because you are now declaring, yeah, this world can be really dark and difficult at times. But my God is a God of justice. My God is a God of liberation. My God is a God who sees the widow and the orphan and the oppressed. My God puts things to right. And praise be Yahweh. And that's why we sing. This aligns exactly with what we know and what we understand about how behavior and obedience and discipline and practice and tradition works. To participate in praise actually calls it into being. Very much like setting your mind on things above and behaving in such a way as to bring forth the very presence and courage that you need to live in this world. And so, when we do this, when we praise, it is out of discipline and obedience and care to bring forth, to call forth these things, justice and equity, love, diversity, care, compassion, all of the characteristics of this God that we celebrate. And it is then that we then put our hands in the air and say, yes, that is the God that I celebrate. That is the God that I honor, venerate, extol, all of those words. That, that is that is what I want to bring my attentions to. And when we do that, we celebrate and acknowledge once again the full gamut and the scope of when you feel low and things aren't good, we can praise. And when you feel good, you praise. It covers it all. Remember, Psalms are all of it is praise. And when you do that, then once again, you bring everything, everything once again together. The full gamut of your life can be found in these moments of praise. So, my friends, praise God. Amen. Praise Yahweh. Amen. Hallelujah. As we head into communion, I hope that you also now can see and celebrate this moment in time that we have every time that we come together to celebrate the affections and to celebrate the benefits and to celebrate the characteristics of the God in flesh that we celebrate and praise in our time of communion together.
For in the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread, blessed and broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. To all of you, my friends, no matter who you are, where you've come from, you are all welcome at this table as we sing.